Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 224 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Jujutsu Kaisen and the third episode of Star Wars Visions Part 2, where in one, two girls search for their missing water, and in the other, two boys search for the missing finger. You gotta look and you gotta find your missing finger. If you find it fast enough, you're gonna be able to reattach that finger. If you're not fast enough, then you need to come down to Fingers R Us, where we're gonna sell you <laughs> discounted fingers that you can buy wherever you want. You wanna put a finger in place of one of your toes? We can do that for you. Do you wanna replace your toe with one of your fingers? Oh, we can we can <laughs> solely do that for you. And this has been uh, Fingers R Us. And anyways, let's start the show. That was a pretty good estimation of interdimensional cable. <laughs> I feel like I nailed it. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of you. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I, I, I'm going to start things off. Just a note about my audio. I'm not recording at home for this episode and the next couple of episodes. I'm also not recording at home for the most recent episode preceding this one which is the Bleach episode, which you are able to listen to if you're a patron and which you will hear in a while if you're not a patron. Um, I addressed it on that episode too, but because some of you are not patrons, I wanted to mention it here at the top that my audio is going to be a little weird for the next couple of weeks because I am working out of town. Uh, I'm, I'm up in Cheyenne, Wyoming at the theater that I work with a lot. I have a they're doing their summer summer theater camp for the kids uh, for the next five weeks. So for a couple episodes here, my audio is going to be a little different than usual. Also, if you're curious about it, I spoke about watching Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the current animated Spider-Man movie in theaters, on our most recent episode, which again is the Patreon episode for Bleach. So if you'd like to hear my thoughts on that right now, be a patron and if you'd like to hear it in like a year uh, wait <laughs> yeah um i i still haven't seen it so yeah well we'll talk about it it's good it's real good <laughs> yeah okay do you want to talk about star wars do you yeah, want to talk about something else where are you feeling let's talk about star wars because i've been dying to talk about this one because um yeah so if if nobody knows, um, my I I have had a love affair with um, claymation and things that look like claymation for almost my entire life. Um, it 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 really it really really itches. Uh, it it really really itches a spot inside of my heart that's like. Anytime I see good animation that may or may not be claymation, if it looks like it enough, I will start to fall in love with it. And I, I can't even, I, I don't think I can even give a normal response to good claymation animation looking things. You're just um, a sucker for this kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I, I think that I am so biased by it that I, I have trouble seeing past it. With that being said, I think this was a very, very beautiful uh, version of that kind of animation claymation style. Um, it, you know, what it reminded me of? Uh, it, it reminded me of the style that they did with um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, did you Ooh, see that I movie? Love that movie. Love that movie. That was one of my early dates with Pete. And yeah, I felt like that was a. It was a good early date because that movie was great and it gave us so much to talk about. Yeah, it's it's just it it's very beautifully done. Um, the only issue that I had with, um, by the way, the production company is called Punk Robot. If you've never heard of them before, um, you should definitely check out their website. Um, I I didn't I didn't recognize uh, a lot of their work, um, but uh, let me see if I yeah can. they have. They have a quite a few series listed. Their top three that I was able to pull from their information 
They all have names in, uh, I'm assuming, Spanish, although this may be dumb American moment. They might speak a different language in Chile. It might be Chilean. That sounds like a thing. So please forgive me for my ignorance here and also correct me in our Discord. But uh, yeah, the the titles are clearly not in English. So they, they've probably had some success outside of America mm-hmm. that uh, that got them noticed by Disney for this project. Yeah, and I, I I didn't recognize them, so they're they're not one of the the huge heavy hitters um, that you usually hear about it. Um, the studio that does Wallace and Gromit is one of the heavy hitters. Um, yeah, oh, I can never remember the name of them, but uh, it's the one that's out of uh, Beaverton, Oregon. That uh, yeah, it did the Box Trolls, and it did uh, I think it did Corpse Bride too, maybe. Or my, I thought the Box Trolls was DreamWorks. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe. Maybe I can't remember the last one that they did. Um, and the two strings. Did they do Kubo and the two strings? I'm looking that up. Oh, that was done by Leica. Yeah, oh. Leica. How did I not know that? Yeah, Leica. Leica is the the big heavy hitter inside the United States. I guess DreamWorks yeah, also has Grommets. their hand inside of it. Um, but Leica, if you've if you've seen any of any big movies, like big budget movies that you've seen that are this style, it is usually going to be the one, the ones people remember the most are the ones from Leica. Um, uh, the, the one that I, I usually hear about the most is um, Coraline. Uh, people talk about the most just because it has such a very specific style and the way that it was done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Punk Robot did a fucking fantastic job. The only thing that I was left um, a, a little bit frustrated by while watching this um, was that I, I felt I felt like it was so rushed with so much story um, that they had to think of a way to give you full exposition mode. Um, they did it in a very beautiful way, but it, it made me just annoyed that I didn't have at least 30 minutes or 45 minutes to watch it uh, like organically build. Instead, it was just kind of like spoon fed to me as fast as possible so they could give you get to more cool things. Um, yeah, that's probably a limitation of the format because these visions episodes, I don't even think any of them run the normal length of a television episode, which is about 22 minutes or about 24 minutes if it's anime because their commercial breaks are shorter. Um, but, uh, yeah, these are, these are running 20 maximum. Some of them are down as, as low as like 14. So that's probably part of it. Um, and I also will say, while I agree with what you're saying there uh, in regards to this one, I would also apply that to several of the previous ones. Oh, where you're yeah. like, they do such a good job of convincing you that there is a lot more story that has happened. There's stuff going on just outside the screen. There's going to be a lot more story after this. It leaves you wanting more. I mean, you if you've been listening to any of the times we've talked about this show, uh, this Star Wars Visions before this you'll know that we routinely say, I wish this was a whole show or or a movie or something like that. We want more because they do such a good job of drawing you in. And this one's no exception. Yeah. Um, the story itself is, uh, it, it's, I think, probably the most interesting way that they have shown a, um, a reconnection with people that are always a part of the universe when they are strong enough with the Force. Um, and there's a, there's a long running theme that is inside of the Star Wars universe. Um, you'll first see it, I think in the very first of the original Star Wars, um, where you have, um, when somebody that is strong with the force is struck down instead of, uh, them just turning into a lifeless body on the floor, they turn into just part of the energy, part of the force in the universe. Um, and this is a really cool way that they did this, which is that the, the people that are connected, the species that is also connected with the force and has these abilities, including their mother who is, uh, was killed by these people, these uh, empire people that came to their planet. Um, she became like one with the stars and that is, that is kind of like, you know, a, a play on becoming part of that universal energy that forms the force around you and moving through you. 
And I think that was just a really beautiful adaptation of it. Also, uh, I, I want uh, force-controlled paint to be just, you know, more of a thing inside of the Star Wars <laughs> universe. Um, can I can I have that, please? Because, like, it, it, it'd be a really cool way to, like, uh, you know, spread messages and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and I think that the, that's another great thing about Star Wars Visions as a whole is that it's able to create more ambitious things because it doesn't, it's non-canonical, right? Like they don't, they don't need to hold true to anything that's been established so they can take star Wars and twist it. However they want, they can add whatever they want because at the end of the day, if regular, you know, movie canon star Wars, or I guess TV show canon these days now as well, uh, want to add it, they can, It, it, it really is playing in the same space as like Marvel's what if, Mm-hmm. Where it's like, these are stories that are playing with familiar characters and themes and areas and whatever, but they're, they are not a part of that canon. They may be influenced by familiar canon, but they are, they will pull as much of that as they choose to and leave as much as that of that as they don't behind on the floor. Um, I also, I really liked this because, and again, I'm nervous that this is me being a little bit of an ignorant American and maybe a little bit of a bleeding heart liberal, but like the, the stuff that I remember from learning about like Native American cultures growing up was, felt very connected to this society that was presented in this episode. Um, these two girls have a sort of oral history way of speaking about their family members and their traditions and stuff like that, that gives you a sense of a culture that's passing things down by telling stories to each other rather than, you know, storing it on a computer or whatever. Like they're not those people. Um, And the way that they're dressing gives you this sense that they're living outside of that sort of like, established stylistic order that you see in a lot of star Wars universes. Like even on Tatooine, they're wearing sort of like tunics and cloaks and stuff like that. What we're doing here feels a lot more like something like an indigenous culture would wear. And I am curious because this um, studio is from Chile, whether or not they were pulling on maybe some of the indigenous peoples from their area to influence the people that showed up in here, um, whether or not they were, it gave me that flavor in a way that I felt like was intentional. And so I felt like this was really taking, taking that sort of like cultural milieu and applying it to a world in star Wars and then putting the empire up against it in a way that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, So I really, really enjoyed that. And I would say also having only so far watched the first three episodes of star Wars visions part two or season two, uh, I thought that this was the weakest of the three for me, the least effective, I guess is a better way to say that because uh, I mean that not as a slight against this one, but as a, as a testament to the insane quality of these first three episodes. This was so good. I got emotional at the end and I still was like, I probably liked the first two better, but this, this was great too. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I just think that that's so exciting that something can be making so many big hit episodes. Yeah. All right. Um, Speaking of big giant hits, Hey, we have a new show that we're covering. If you haven't seen, uh, if you haven't seen on our poll on our social medias, if you're not following us, then you don't know about it. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen is going to be our new show that we are covering. Uh, this is, uh, along the terms of what's going on with Mob Psycho 100, which is that it is actively coming out. Um, and so Jujutsu Kaisen kind of took the world by storm. Um, and especially in the anime community, um, pretty recently, um, it, it, it really, I would say it's one of those shows that breaks a lot of barriers between people that are into just basic shonen trash sort of thing. And also the people that are into kind of like the, um, the horror action anime, um, which there's a large Mm -hmm. community there as well as people that are into, um, like comedy animes that are action adjacent as well as, um, relationship animes like slice of life anime, 
there are so many people that talk about the show being like a something that breaks through a lot of different anime viewership barriers um, that hmm. I, I am very excited that we get to cover it. I'm excited too. Um, I, I, uh, I put in our notes here that uh, we've actually covered it before in a review setting. Uh, this was actually early weekly jump. So in our fourth weekly jump episode, where we covered five different things, including Fire Force and Burn the Witch, which Fire Force to Burn the Witch is the episode title, was released on October 12th of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when uh, we both, I believe we both covered the first chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. And then later in the 12th episode of Weekly Jump, uh, when it was just its own thing, we covered Jujutsu Kaisen 2 ReZero Starting Life in Another World. That was released on December 7th of 2020. Uh, and that was when you, but not me, watched the first episode of Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm-hmm. So this was my first exposure to the anime, but not my first exposure to the story because I had read it before, but years ago at this point. Um, and I also, I was kind of explaining it to Pete, uh, who, as, as you'll remember, my husband, not much of an anime person, which is not a, a thing where he's uninterested in anime, but more of a thing where he's just never explored it. Uh, it hasn't really caught his attention, but I was kind of telling him about it because he likes supernatural things. He likes um, spooky things. And I was like, oh, it's like a horror anime. And, um, and I mentioned to him that it was also one of the big hits in recent memory. If I'm remembering correctly, My Hero Academia had a huge moment. Uh, obviously, it's still very popular and successful. But in its first two seasons, it was like the big guy on campus. Mm-hmm. And then, if I'm remembering correctly, Demon Slayer came along and became the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And Jujutsu Kaisen was hot on Demon Slayer's heels. And I remember when that came out, there might have been a third thing that was coming out around that time. I remember seeing pe- some pe- people talk about how um, shonen anime was leaning into horror tropes more. And that that seemed to be like it was going to be a trend that would be taking over popular shonen um, as evidenced by those two series. I thought that was really interesting. So um uh, I was really excited to dig into this, really excited to see that a second season is premiering very soon as we record this. I think it premieres next month. Yeah. Um, and I also ended up watching this episode twice because I watched it by myself. And after mentioning it to Pete, he said he would be interested in watching it. So I watched it again with him. Yeah. So one of the hallmarks of the show, um, if you haven't picked it up yet, um, if you're if you're listening to this and just being kind of like surprised what we're covering now and you want to go watch it. Um, and one of the things that draws a lot of people to this show um, is that it is very much a hallmark of this show is a super high quality of animation as well as a super high quality of opening fucking theme song. Because this theme song is like a straight up fucking bop. Um, It gets stuck in my head constantly. Um, So just be prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say, interestingly here, uh, this is Studio Mappa that makes this, which I think is a studio that has a pretty good reputation. Mm -hmm. Um, They are using a blend of CG anime and hand-drawn anime. And what I think is happening is that they're actually creating this almost exclusively in CG. They're probably using some hand-drawn elements to, you know, teach the CG and sort of guide the models. But you can see that sometimes this moves a little bit more like Doro Hidoro than like One Punch Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we, Spencer and I both famously not big fans of the CG anime, not not really into that look. I will say that a few times in this first episode and in that intro, I'm like, oh man, it's really obvious that it's CG sometimes and it really looks or tricks you into thinking that it's hand-drawn. Other times, enough that I'm noticing the difference and I don't love that, but it still looks great. They really are pushing how far 
the CG anime can go in in order to like match the hand drawn style. And this show is a real testament to that. And and if memory serves, this is also the studio that's going to be doing the anime adaptation for Kaiju Number Eight. And watching this made me feel more optimistic about that. I'm sorry, were you talking? All I was doing was singing the theme song in my head. <laughs> uh, well, I should have. Uh, that's on me. Oh my god, it's so fucking good, man. Oh, and I have, uh, I, have a, I have a friend of mine that works with me, and he'll just like randomly start humming it. And I'm like, fuck, it's gonna be there all day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like you would do this to me in the past. You would like start uh, start the uh, beginning of the Attack on Titan intro, and then I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. It just it won't. It 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 just it is what it is. You know that's what that's yeah. that's where I'm getting at. It is. It's just. What I it shouldn't is. have even brought it up because I'm getting the Attack on Titan thing in my head now too. <laughs> a whole podcast episode to do. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um. Okay. So let's actually start talking about. About this very first episode, um, Blake, I, I I don't have the notes immediately in front of me. What is the name of our first episode? It is called Ryomen Sakuna, and when I looked that up, I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I don't know if they say it in the first episode. They probably do, they do. at one point. In, in fact, I think on my second watch through, I was like, oh, there it is. But on my first watch through, I missed this entirely. Yep. Uh, but Ryoman Sakuna, Sakuna, there's going to be a finger in this that's important. Yep. And uh, Ryoman Sakuna is the name of the person that that finger used to be attached to. Yep. So we are going to start our very first episode in a room that doesn't make its appearance inside of this episode at all. Um, with a character that we are going to see once and then never see again inside of this first episode. So you yeah, might this is be- a little anime-only teaser, I believe. I don't think the manga opens like this. Yeah. Um, so um, what what is basically going to be happening here um, is that our, our main character is tied up. He is surrounded by seals. Um, and he is being talked to by a guy who is wearing a mask over his eyes. Just to be specific, he's surrounded by seals that are holding something at bay, not like barking water dogs that eat fish. Although, how funny would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get them water dogs. Anyways. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he is going to tell him, basically, that he uh, he's like, I, I, I don't know where I am. What is happening here? And he's just like, welcome to welcome to my home. Um, I would like you to know that you've been sentenced to death. Uh, so, uh, it's just feel, feel free to deal with that, how you're going to deal with it. And he's like, what? It's my home. I'd <laughs> like you to know you're sentenced to death. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so you know, you're going to die anyways. <laughs> bye. <laughs> well, specifically you're, we're going to kill you. Like, it's not, it's not a sickness. You've been sentenced to death by us. Yeah. And we're going to do it. But anyway, that's later in the past. <laughs> There's a guy who you will recognize as the dude who was tied up. His name is Yuji Itadori. And he is a high school student. Uh, the episode after that little sort of flash forward teaser, it's going to open up with him calling the hospital to check on how his grandfather is doing. Yep. Uh, before his grandfather, his grandfather, the, the nurse is like, let me take the phone into him. And he's like, get out of here. I'm not going to talk to my grandson. He has to go to his school club. <laughs> so, he does. <laughs> yeah. And the reason he has to go to his school club is because his grandfather is worried about something inside of his life. Um, we'll, we'll find out more about that later in the show. Um, but first you need well, to know, I that think in this episode, he's going to sort of address a concern that, that probably relates to this, but I suspect there's more to it. Yeah. And the, the thing that's connected to him, to his grandfather that makes him want to go and experience life is that his grandfather is pointing out that it's just like, you need to be out in the world, you need to be with people, you need to connect with people, and you need to save as many people as you can, even if it's just one person. 
And I'm like, that. this is just like a very fascinating, weird thing to hear from your grandfather. Um, just, you know, in, in this world, kind of. Um, but, but whatever, uh, we're, we're just going to take it as rote. Um, at that's, this point. that's going to come a little bit later. First, he's going to go to his club, which is the high school occult club. Oh yeah. Of which he is one of only three members. Yep. Uh, and they are doing some Ouija board type thing when a student who's probably the class president and, uh, he comes by and he's like, you can't be in this club because you're signed up for the track team. And Yuji is like, no, I'm not. And then and the track the team track coach shows up and he's, like, <laughs> and he's like, yes, you are. I forged your signature. And like the, the <laughs> president guy is just like, uh, like while they're having this full on conversation, which is ridiculous by the way. And they also yeah. agree that the, the way that they're going to decide if he's on the track team or not is if he gets to, if he gets defeated by the track coach in a shot put event, um, he's going to be forced to join the, uh, the shot put team or the track team. And he's just like, I'll take yeah. you on. That sounds like a good idea. And the president in the background is just like, I don't think we're allowed to forge signatures. This doesn't seem like it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they go to the, they go to the shot put field and there's, I guess there's an intercut here. Um, the, my notes are in a little bit of a dis, uh, different order based off of the the article that I pulled him from, but uh, there's a, this other guy that's going to show up. His name is going to turn out to be Megumi Fushiguro, and he is investigating for something supernatural. He says he says to himself that he's looking for a cursed object. He goes to where the cursed object is supposed to be housed, and it's not there. Um, and he notices that there's there's just some some stuff amiss, but we're not going to learn more about that just yet. Because we're going to go to the track field. Wait, no. He has to make a phone call first. Oh, yeah. He calls calls somebody. You'll recognize his voice if you hear it on the other line real quick. But the person on the other line is just like, "Um, well, it's supposed to be there, so you better go find it. And he's just like, well, do you know where it is? And he's just like, that's your problem. (laughs) (laughs) Not helpful at all. Oh man. <laughs> so they do the, the I, I really I really enjoyed the track and field thing. And I'm also gonna say, can I do a bleach spoiler here that we haven't gotten to? Because this is this reminds me so much of bleach. Sure. So I I guess I'll try and be vague, but I don't think I'll be able to be vague enough to hide it from you if you don't know what happened. But sometimes characters are special. When they don't realize it <laughs> and they have uh, atypical advantages that seem like narrative convenience. They probably are narrative convenience. Don't at me. But they are later explained to be caused by the circumstances of that character's birth or whatever the hell. And this character, Yuji, really seems like he's maybe not really just some dude he's probably not your average high schooler because if i'm understanding correctly he's never done a shot put uh this is his first time doing a track team thing even though the track coach committed forgery to try and get him on the team yeah i'm gonna throw it out there too like first and foremost he is going to break a world record in a shot put throw yeah and which the coach the, was close to the national record, but Yuji was even better by leagues. But one of the things that is said after, like afterwards, after <laughs> he throws it, is that somebody goes, "He threw that. Wasn't that a baseball throw?" And all I could uh-huh. think was just like, "I don't know if you've ever lifted a shot put." Um, but the yeah. reason why people cradle it in their neck and spin so they can build up centripetal force before they push it off of themselves to make it go further is because it is very heavy. So like, yeah, the fact that he is able to just uh, overhand throw this so hard that it just dents into the side of a soccer goal obviously shows that he's ridiculously powerful. Um, our friend from earlier is going to show up by the way, and he's going to be like, Hey, uh, you, it feels like you have something going on with you. You might be near the cursed object. I need to talk to you. But before he can actually get to talk to him, Yuji runs away super fast. <laughs> so fast. This is another joke about world records. They say 
was it one of the students is like, oh, he can go from like, you know, it's not zero to 60, but it's that kind of thing. You can go from from standing still to a certain speed in X amount of seconds. Yeah. And the other guy's like, wait, isn't the world record for that? Like, you know, almost double. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. And then one of the guys so, is like, is he a car? <laughs> <laughs> something's amiss i just i get big bleach vibes from this because bleach is also playing in the action through the lens of horror space especially the first like when it's all about hollows that's really bleach's bag this made me think so much of that but it's sort of like bleach in a post bleach world where it's like bleach is hiding stuff from you probably probably some of that is that the author didn't think of it yet but uh, you know the way that they're building the momentum of the story is different. And I suspect the trajectory of the stories are probably going to be fairly different as well. But this first episode, I was like, honestly, you could trade out the cursed objects for hollows. You could trade out Yuji for Ichigo. And I think most people wouldn't really bat an eye too much at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Yuji, Yuji leaves. He also, Oh, he says this comment where he's like, I don't want to be on the track team. I want to be on the occult club. Which, by the way, the the occult club was in an existential crisis because you have to have a minimum of three members. So if Yuji loses this competition or chooses the track team, they cannot have their club anymore as a school-sanctioned event. Uh, But Yuji wants to stay with them. Uh, One of the reasons he wants to stay that he mentioned specifically is so that he can be done, be home from school by six. And I, he doesn't say this explicitly, but I get the impression that that is because he wants to get to the hospital to visit his grandfather, which is the next place that he goes. Okay. First, he's going to go in and see his grandfather. His grandfather is going to be a little bit annoyed with him because he's like, I don't like flowers. And he's like, the flowers aren't for you. The flowers are for the nurses who have to put up with you. And his grandfather (laughs) then gives him those sage words of wisdom before rolling over in his bed and just dying. Um, Yeah. The the words of wisdom. Huh? The words of wisdom are very anime, but they're also non sequiturs. Like they weren't talking about anything. The grandfather was grouching that Yuji came to visit him. And Yuji was like, look, I had some free time. I'm not going out of my way, which may or may not be true. I got the impression that Yuji was going to do this no matter what. This was part of his, his daily schedule. But he's like, I'm, I had free time. So I'm here. So stop, stop bitching. And then the grandfather just like out of nowhere is like protect your friends, value your friends. Uh, because you don't, he says something that I thought got me, which was like, you don't want to be alone at the end. Like I am. And that's interesting. Cause I bet that his grandfather is something relevant to the supernatural shit. And I bet that he didn't save somebody and was ostracized from that society. And that's why he's alone. And that's what he's referring to, but we'll see if I'm right at some point. Um, what he, but he, the way he phrases it, I'm like, this isn't, it's not the weirdest thing for an anime character to say to one other anime character, but it is a bit of a weird thing for a nominally or presumably normal grandfather to say to a presumably normal high school student of like, save as many people as you can. And the fact that Yuji isn't immediately like save them from what? Like, it's just it's just a few notches away from the normal thing of, like, cherish as many people as you can or find your friends and hold them close. Like, it's not that. It's explicitly fight as hard as you can to save people that you care for. And I was like, this guy's this guy's alluding to something that Yuji is completely unfazed by and that I would be deeply stunned if somebody said this to me in my life. Like, what's happening? Is there something going on? Is it a war? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, so, uh, meanwhile, um, we are going to find out that the school is being attacked. Um it's being well. Uh, Megumi is going to show up to Yuji at the hospital, and it's going to be like, "I tracked you, you fast motherfucker. I came here to the hospital to meet you because you're you have a cursed object, and that's crazy. You shouldn't do that. It's bad news." And he explains that many high schools and hospitals and other places of deep emotional torment cause things called curses to manifest which are basically spirits hollows whatever um b- big bad spiritual monsters and they 
will secretly house cursed objects as a ward against being flooded by or attacked by these curses because a cursed object is more evil and so it scares away the lesser evil curse curses but cursed objects can deteriorate over the time over time or at least the seals that are keeping them from being dangerous can and that's what's happening with this cursed object and he shows yuji a picture on his phone of the cursed object and it is a it is a an object wrapped in a, in uh sealing paper placed inside of a box and yuji is like oh well i have the box but the object itself was left with the occult club who are at school and who also explicitly stated that they were going to be removing the sealing paper tonight to see what's inside and that is no good yep Okay, so that's going to take us to the school, um, where yep. we are going to see a whole bunch of these curses. Some of them are smaller than others. Um, it turns out one of the things that happens when you deal with curses and cursed objects being close to curses is that some of them are kind of powerful. Some of them are really, really powerful. And some of them are pretty normal, but if they are exposed to more powerful um, uh, like more powerful cursed objects around them, they will become more powerful. And so that is what's happening here. These are relatively normal-ish, um, uh, like, I don't know, cur- normal curses from, I'm, I'm assuming yeah, they people seem... getting yelled at and being argued with at school. Um, and then <laughs> they uh, seem like, um, they seem like low level monsters, in a world where a low-level monster is very dangerous to a normal human, but mm-hmm. somebody like Megumi, who is clearly tapped into this world, is probably not going to be a huge deal for him. Although he doesn't breeze through them necessarily either when he gets there to start fighting them. And he fights with two two dogs. Two wolves are his best friends and mine too. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to become besties. Um, the goodest boys. Yeah, and they're going to eat and destroy a lot of these monsters, the, a lot of these curses. <laughs> yeah, I th- I thought that was a great little... This whole like fighting at the high school sequence, it's sort of like the first half of the episode that we described before they get to the high school mm-hmm. is a little bit of a meet-the-characters slow build-up. Then you have the whole high school sequence, which is most of the ending, uh, and that is the this is a horror show aspect. So a lot of this, while very action-packed and presented with, like, you know, the sort of pulse-pounding music and stuff, but there's also moments where you see, like, Yuji's classmates have undone this seal, and now there are horrible monsters walking around the school, and they can see them, or at least tell that something is up, and they're, like, being stalked through the hallways, and it's genuinely disturbing in a way that I thought was really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really... It's really weird. The The way that the show is done is just a really fascinating way. Um, you, you were talking earlier about how many people like different things and come together to like this. And it made me think like this is just a particularly well done swirl of disparate elements into mm-hmm. a sort of unified whole. And yeah. I, I can kind of get that from this episode, even though you're alluding to some things that don't appear here. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's another thing that we we should we should chat about with with the show real quick, <laughs> which is that uh-huh. um, there's there's gonna I don't know how else to say this um, <laughs> there is there's gonna be parts in this show that are gonna really freak you out to like a a high degree because of the way that curses are represented. They are Mm -hmm. grotesque. Um, And it is one of the things that is like, that draws in people that are into the horror aspect of anime in the most of the show. Um, There is going to be a character that is introduced. Um, Blake doesn't know about this character at all. Um, But, and, and people who haven't seen the show, you won't know about them either. But the way that their power manifests um, will um, actually turn your stomach. Um, it it is it is hard to watch the way that they use their power, um, and it is 
it is one of the hallmarks of this show is that the curses and the way that they are created are created out of people that are out in the world fearing something or uh, being upset by something. And that gathers energy about that thing into an area until it becomes strong enough that it forms a curse. And so because of that, you have uh, things like I mentioned earlier, like one of these characters that's uh, they, they talk about this rugby field was closed because there were ticks outside (laughs) of this rugby field. Um, But that developed into people being afraid of this rugby field to the point where they wanted to stay away from it and assumed that it was being like haunted and being attacked. Well, there was like a, a spirit um, they, they were like, well, there was a, a guy that died out in this field and he was buried inside of this field. And because of that, um, they, you know, that's probably why people were getting sick and mm-hmm. they, they say that, but then the response from like the, the person that is, doesn't believe in the occult is just like, no, it was these ticks that were people were being bitten by. But when Megumi shows up, the, one of the first things he said is, uh, somebody must've been buried here a long time ago that was killed in a weird way because there's a lot of cursed energy built up around this area, probably because of the Uh rumors of the death. And so it's, it's also, it's like shown to you, um, this like monster that we're going to see this curse that we're going to see is like the, the shape of like this weird swimming fingered, big teeth, horrible thing. Um, so it's like a, it's like everything is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it was given power by, what people feared about it. Yeah. So like the rumor turned it into, you know, the rumor and the fear of the thing turned it into a curse. And that curse, um, became a little bit power, a lot powerful enough to make people sick. But also when it was exposed to the cursed energy that was flowing out of the, uh, the finger, that was the thing that was wrapped up inside, uh, this cursed object. Um, it became, so much more than it was before to the point where it was able to like attack and try to like swallow people whole and manifest itself so that people can see it and be attacked by it. And it is going to, it is going to attack and kind of, uh, sucker, like sucker hit, uh, Megumi to the point where Megumi is going to like fly off. And the only reason that he is going to be able to stand up and come back together on is that Yuji is going to show up and just start, normal fist fighting and normal kicking a giant monster. Just a thing that he shouldn't be able to do. Um, (laughs) It's big Ichigo feels here. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's, it's definitely going that, but he, he's, he was left at the school gates when Megumi went in to start fighting the curses and, and he, you know, kind of dithered because it was scary. And then, um, and because Megumi was like, stay here, you are not equipped to deal with this. But then he heard his grandfather's dying words from like 20 minutes ago. And the grandfather was like, you have to fight to save the people you care for. And these are his friends that are in danger. So he, he bursts onto the scene and he specifically jumps through a window that is not on the first floor. So yet another supernatural physical uh you know exhibition here uh he bursts through the window punches the demon which is trying to absorb his two friends he gets the friends away from it and this gives enough of an opening that megumi is able to uh slash it to death and have his dog start eating it this is when we find out what was wrapped up in the thing Mm -hmm. and uh it's the finger of the guy that the episode is named after. So Megumi, he, uh, Yuji finds it in, uh, in one of the other occult members, uh, clothes. Uh, they have been knocked unconscious by the ordeal. So Yuji's like, this is what was all the fuss about. It's a creepy finger. And Megumi explains that it's a, you know, it's a, a very powerful cursed object. He explains all that. Um, and specifically that the demon or the, sorry, well, they're, they're kind of demons, but they're called curses. They were trying to get it specifically to eat it. And he's like, what does it taste good? Which is real good dope humor. He's like, you're such an idiot. They want to eat it because it's full of cursed energy. And if they eat it, then their cursed energy gets stronger by doing so. And he's, he's like, oh, and then a giant hand bursts through the ceiling 
and separates the two of them. Yeah, and it's, it's sucker, a, an even it's bigger monster. Megumi to the point where Megumi can't form seals and function enough that he can't summon his his like demon dogs so that he can. Yeah, he says, "Why can't I?" F- he says something like, "Why can't I focus?" or "Why can't I concentrate?" And no. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, he. Uh, well, and it's obviously because he has head trauma. <laughs> right, because he got smashed against the wall twice. But I thought that was great. That was such a nice little touch because so often in these shows, people take a beating and they're fine. And that's cool. If, if the fight is cool, I don't care. I'll let it happen. I'm sure there are some fights like that in this show itself. But it was just a nice little touch to remind you that part of them doing these amazing anime magical things is that they got to focus. And he's not able to. And it is a perfectly valid explanation for why he's taken out of this fight. Okay. So we're going to take Finale a point. time. Yeah. So, so Yuji is going to get into the point where he's fighting back and forth with this big giant curse and he is not going to be able to take it down. He is trapped to the point where, um, he is about to be eaten along with the finger of Sakuna. Um, he is like, uh, shit, I can't do anything about it. He said the person that eats this is going to get cursed energy. And so fuck it. And he just throws it and up in the air. you have to defeat... You have to defeat curses with cursed energy. That's another thing he said earlier. Yeah. So he knows he can't beat it without that. Yeah. So he throws it up into the air and then he eats it. And meanwhile, Megumi is just like, uh, there's a one in a million chance that he is not going to die immediately from the horrible poisonous thing that he has just swallowed. And uh, uh-huh. we think that he's going to be like, and he could become super powerful. But oh, it turns so out good. that what he means is... And what he didn't finish his sentence was Yuji's face changes. Tattoos appear on his body. Uh Two additional eyeballs appear under his other eyes through slits. And he lands, uh, he rips off the arm of the curse that's holding him and then swings his hand casually forward. And it just completely obliterates the curse that's standing in front of it. And then he turns to Megumi and Megumi finishes his sentence, which is, there's a one in a million chance that he could resurrect the curse and it's absorbed inside of his own body. And he's just like, yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. It's I'm going to have to kill this person. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good fake out because usually in these moments, it's like, this guy's going to die, but there's a one in a million chance that he makes it. And that is positive, and that's what you think he's going to say. But the the one in a million chance is worse than him dying, and it's the one that happens. And it's so clever. It's so good. It's it's even a simple fake out, but it works so well here. Yeah. And so yeah, uh, Yuji turns around, and he's not Yuji anymore. He's speaking in a different voice and a different way, and he starts talking about how. He's glad to be resurrected in this era and there's women and children walking around and he's going to enjoy slaughtering them. And that's going to be so easy. And then, and then his right hand happens. comes up to his face and holds his face with his mouth open. And he's like, what's happening? And he's just like, what are you doing inside of my body? And he's like, what are you talking about? How are you stopping me from being inside of your body? And he's just like, well, it's my body. I should be able to control it. And Sakura's <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? And Megumi's just like, I'm going to have to exercise you now. And that's the end of the first episode. <laughs> yeah, he goes full on Gollum. They even cut the camera to different sides of his face to show that he's talking to himself. But it's, it's cool, Yuji, in another, what I would assume, Herculean display of atypical strength, is able to suppress the demonic energy himself, and he starts speaking like himself again, and, and apparently controlling his own body. And then, yeah, Megumi steps in and is like, hey, so you're a curse now, and the law is that you gotta be exercised, to, so them's the breaks, and it's our cliffhanger ending, and it, Spencer, this was very good. I'm yeah. so excited to see more, but what excites me even more is the fact that when Pete watched it with me, he was like, I really liked that. So as a not, you know, not opposed to anime again, he's, but not predisposed to enjoy it. Uh, From an outsider's perspective, this one got a thumbs up and it got a big thumbs up for me too. Yeah. And one of the things, like I've said before, that this show has really been hallmarked on is the fact that it breaks a lot of barriers from people that like, 
do not like specific different kinds of animes because it is really going to give you a lot of different styles. And it's because they're really beautifully married together is one of the reasons why this show is considered to be such a high mark in comparison to a lot of other shows. Um, And with that being said, we are going to continue with the show, obviously, um, but stick with us after these credits and we're going to talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family, which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100, Part 3, Episodes 5 and 6. And uh, as as Blake said, pour one out to our Fire Force homies out there. They really, really were so close inside of the pole. And you then Jujutsu just... Yeah. It just took a, it just, it just, it was a dark Scooped, horse yeah. and it took over. Yeah. I really it was a real nail biter, you guys. You'll get him. <laughs> you'll get him next time. <laughs> oh. oh, well, we just got to finish another show. We'll get there. <laughs>